Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Hello and welcome again. I'm Spirit Bird, and today I want to share kind of part three of what even is shamanism. And we'll be talking today about shamanism for community and for purpose. So for us to have a sustainable community, we as individuals also have to know on a deep level what our purpose is. And so what that process looks like is know who you are, know or what role you play, know how that relates to the whole, and then letting the illusion go. And I'm going to have a little bit of nerd fun today and talk about community through the lens of trees. So we can say it's easy for us to connect with trees because they do so much resemble human nature, right? Um, Even the system, the way their system is set up with the roots in the ground and the receptors in the sky and being balanced in the middle, right? And steady and just being part of the system around them. It looks like our lungs, the way we breathe, the way way a tree breathes, um, the way we run energy through our system up and down is how a tree does it. And I have a special fondness to trees also because um, tree was my first teacher, (laughs) Um, at least in this life. I remember when I was young, uh, I would go for walks back in the woods and um, there was a tree back there that I just loved. I would sit by it occasionally. And it's really the tree that taught me how to meditate. You know, I was called there. I would sit at its base, catch the little bits of sun making its way through the woods and just sit and it started speaking to me and telling me about itself and teaching me about the animals and the plants and the relatives. Mm. And I remember in my house in Georgia, I had this beautiful pecan tree out back. Um, And when I lived there is when I started my, um, you know, deep dive into agriculture and um, farming and gardening. And I had this whole, you know, urban farm going on in my backyard. And in the process, I planted, I think, a low-quat tree and a pear tree and a fig tree. Um, And I think I might have had an ornamental tree back there, too. And at one point, I remember talking to a friend of mine who worked in environmental sciences. And he mentioned, um, you know, to be careful not to plant too many trees too close together because they'll end up competing for resources, right? So cut back to a couple months ago, Um, I was moving from Anchorage to um, Kentucky and um, I asked my dad to drive with me. And um, so I thought, well, um, I probably should get like an audio book or something. That's a really long drive going down the Elkan. I mean, it's epically beautiful and that's many days in the car. And so I was like, okay, let's find something that would be interesting to both him and I. And so I ended up choosing a book called The Hidden Life of Trees. And um, 
side note, it is very fascinating, although it's a bit dry if you're trying to stay awake. <laughs> um, but really beautiful book. So one thing I learned from the book that surprised me is that we kind of have this belief based on, I'm going to use air quotes here, but based on science about how things work best, like how to be most productive. Um, but there's a big difference between the study of productivity and the study of sustainability, right? And this is really the difference between extraction culture and sustainable culture. Um, and an extraction culture has us look at how we can make things most productive quickest. And so really the lens is to gain the highest resources in the shortest term. And so this looks like short-term solutions at the cost of long-term sustainability. And so a lot of arborists were tree farmers or um, even us as homeowners on our property um, have this belief, right? That we're looking more at productivity, how to make the tree grow the fastest instead of what is actually more sustainable for our system. And so what I learned from this book um, is actually that view. I had that understanding. I thought that was true. It seems like it makes sense. Too close together, competes for resources, they both die. And what I learned from this book is actually that's not true. Um, sometimes uh, as with many trees, um, it's not true. That trees actually do better in a cluster when they create their own ecosystem, when they have others around them. It turns out, actually, trees aren't competing for resources. They're sharing resources. They'll actually, in a cluster of the same type of trees, will actually start to calibrate together and disperse nutrients so they can actually grow at the same pace. And so where one is needing more energy, that's actually sent to that. So they end up sharing the resources. And in turn, they offer each other shade and protection. So while trees mostly work together as part of the ecosystem, you know, and even to the point where if one on the outside is taken down, that makes the whole cluster more vulnerable. Um, so while they work together as an ecosystem, many also have their own specific function. And this is part of knowing who you are and what your function is. And also, being able to accept that and let the gift of what that is come through versus fighting it by trying to be something else. So for example, I learned that beech trees have a tendency to grow right alongside another older tree. They sort of give themselves their own parent or shelter, so to speak. And so they'll grow slowly right up alongside another tree and in the tree shadows for years until one day it actually shoots up over top and becomes the primary receiver. And so there's a way we can look at that tree and believe it's bad. Um, but when we understand the relationship between the two, we can see that it's actually creating sustainability, that it's learning from its elder. And when it's ready to bloom, um, it is ready to bloom <laughs> and it's from the learning 
and the shelter of the elder that's given it what it needs to um, be ready to really spread its wings, so to speak. And ideally, it'll be going beyond the furthest reaches of the elder. So I see ego fights with some spiritual teachers and coaches because they had to learn this way or they had to suffer or they spent X many years training. Therefore, their students should also have to go through the same process. The fact of the matter is, young people are coming into this world far more gifted. They're coming in more involved and they are faster learners. That's the point. They actually don't have to stretch as far. They don't have to work as hard to get to where we are. They don't have as further to go to get to where we are. It means it's working. And so if we see this as a threat that they are getting to where we are faster, then we might forget what tree we are and what our job is here. We might think or forget and believe for a moment that they're competing with us instead of the reality, which is we are eldering them. And so this is where it's important to know your role. If you forget your eldering, you might start trying to compete or you might feel like somebody's taking something from you. But actually, once these trees are in and solid, um, they create a more sustainable system. And it was from the teachings of the parent tree that allowed them to get there. Other trees, it turns out, are pioneers. So the birch tree will grow, um, you know, outside of a forest. They're frontiersmen. They go further north. They go to places where there haven't been trees yet. They're essentially leading the pack leading the forest and creating new territory for the rest of the forest to join. And so if we are a pioneer and we forget that that's our job, one, we might think that we're alone a lot. We might think that we're out on our own and forget what we're actually doing. We're actually exploring, creating a pathway. So the birches will start to expand the forest. And then over time, the other trees will follow and spread into the area. And same thing here, if birch forgets what its job is, it might feel like it's lost its space or get threatened. But again, this was their job to create the new territory, to show the way. And so when the others catch up, then it's affirmation that you did your job, good job. And if you're a pioneer and everybody catches up to you, then it's time for new horizons again. It's time to innovate again. They're not taking from you. Remember, you were leading them. You were showing the way. You were creating the path. And now they're here. Good job. <laughs> and so in tree life, the birch family doesn't sit there and fight with the other trees and say, hey, I was here first. Because its job was to create the new territory so the others could come. Also, there's a cycle of life within trees, right? So other trees will be born and die, some old, some young. And when they do, they become fertilizer for the earth and for those around it. And so we, as outsiders, might experience that in our own lives, where loved ones are sort of taken from us too soon. 
um, when they actually were giving us a gift to understand and to fertilize our path and to fertilize our purpose. It might feel unfair, but we have to remember that each tree has its own role and its own agreement. And it came here to fulfill that role in that agreement. And so too, do we humans. <laughs> Another teaching that really stood out to me uh, about trees is around the family unit. So there's sort of uh, parents or elders, as I, as I was saying, and when new trees are sprouting, um, of the same species, most of them actually um, are protected under the shade of essentially their parent or elder, and it's intentional. So again, if we look from it from the extraction standpoint or productivity standpoint, we might feel like that tree is being crowded and can't get enough light, but actually it's being sheltered. Um, the younger one is getting the protection and the shelter that it needs to be able to be strong. It's actually, its growth is being slowed down so it can develop the strength and have good roots and have a good system. So it doesn't grow too large too fast and essentially topple over too soon. So it's interesting to think of that in the context of raising children. And of course, we have to be careful not to do everything for the children, right? It's not a matter of, you know, baby, babying them or being helicopter parents, right? Um, because when we do this, this suggests to the children that they're actually not capable of doing something on their own. I mean, we mean well, but it instills this belief within them that you're not enough. You can't do it on your own. Um, and side note. A little coaching piece here. This is also true for coaches, right? When you're a coach or you're essentially acting as an elder, it can feel good to want to swoop in and do things for them, to make conclusions for your clients or to get something done so they can get to the next step faster. Or maybe give them praise or encouragement instead of guiding them to find their own and cultivate their own within. And so when we miss that, when we try to give them what they need instead of teaching them to find what they need. Um, we end up building this vulnerability in their system and they end up not being able to give themselves what they need, which means we put them in a cycle of constantly requiring others, which is not our job as a coach. Our job as a coach is to get them to the point where they actually don't need us, right? Just like the parent tree, but also under the protection of the parent tree. Um, we are preventing the tree from developing this vulnerability, right? And so the job as the parent or the elder or the coach is to fiercely protect their development. And here again, the same is true for our clients. We have to hold the container for them to go inward even further, to learn their voice and find their power and embody themselves and know who they are, not what they want to be or think they should be. Then when they're ready to get back out there, they don't need you. And those that have had that development protected are more sustainable. And each individual that is more sustainable unto themselves 
creates a more sustainable whole or system or community. And also, um, you know, we can, playing with the analogy of the trees and the humans, we can also see um, the result of when the parent is absent or pushing the child to grow too far too fast or trying to challenge or get the child to grow through um, wounds or distortion by um, demeaning them or restricting them instead of inspiring them, right? And so when we have that absent parent, what that causes is the child to be required to grow um, on their own and to be their own parent before they're actually ready to do that. And this is how the trees work also when they're deprived of that parent, um, they end up growing too far too fast and it creates a vulnerability in a different way. And in humans, it creates this wound where we feel like we didn't get the time and the protection we needed. And, you know, there's a teaching here for those as well. And usually what that experience is, is feeling not looked after in their life. And so adulthood ends up becoming less about that they were hurt or wounded or disadvantaged, um, you know, hopefully you start working through that victim story. Um, and then it turns into about the medicine of learning how to actually give to themselves exactly what they need instead of relying on someone else. And so our job as others in the community is to be the parent that doesn't dote on them and also doesn't demean, but holds the container of belief that they can find exactly what they need. In this world, the children are all of ours, just like the trees. It's all of our job to protect the child so they can become healthy living beings. And so that none have to strain or stretch in order to survive, even if they're not our actual biological child, right? And in the great community, we are all the parents and we are all the children and actually just taking turns in those roles. So for those that missed a parent or were maybe abused, um, their life will be a process of learning how to receive support after developing the safety mechanism of self-reliance of um, because it feels unsafe, because they've developed safety by having to do with themselves, it's often hard for them to receive the help from other people. And um, it turns out when you're not able to receive, you perpetuate that cycle. And so you might reach a point in your life where that cycle is ready to go, right? And so you have to drop your guard and actually let others help you. And that might feel like a little bit dangerous, right? Because you having to protect yourself was what kept you safe for so long. And so allowing yourself to actually be received by the community can feel a little scary. And it's also the medicine that you're here for. And so if we want to support that, again, we have to treat ourselves as the elders that can balance um, protection of development with um, allowing them to discover what they need for themselves. 
And really, this is just one example, right? We all have our own ways of trying to protect ourselves. Um, and there's, so there's a saying in the coaching community and healing community, right? That coaches sort of see the truth of who you are underneath all of the stories and the wounds and the habits and the programming that we've accumulated over the years. And so we as healers and we as individuals are in the process of just slowly removing those stories. Um, and to be fair, again, going back to that sort of extraction culture, um, healing in modern Eurocentric Western mainstream culture is also has become a mixture of self-actualization and becoming your highest self. But actually what's happening is we're removing all those things that don't serve us. We're letting them go. We're letting them become fertilizer for our own self. Letting them add energy to our roots instead of that being weights on our branches. So I've been tending the land on the property here. And as we're clearing some rough edges, around this old broken down shed for the backyard, it started to reveal a tree that's here. This beautiful old oak that's been here probably for centuries, witnessing life and being part of it, taking it in and sharing its teachings. And all around the tree were um, was surrounded by shrubs and covered by winter creeper and actually starting to get choked out by all of the layers around it. That's, it's accumulated over time. And this is where, again, we need to be clear about what our role is and who we are. And so if we're a birch tree trying to act like a beech tree because we see the beech tree as being better or safer, it's not gonna work, you know? And if we're uh, you know, a parent tree trying to act like a pioneer tree, it's also not gonna work. It's going to offset the system. And so as coaches and healers and anybody, <laughs> this is part of being part of the community. The most important step is understanding who you are, what your role actually is, instead of trying to be someone else, right? And once we do that, once we have the clarity on that, which we're all still learning and still growing, um, then you'll be able to understand how you actually relate to the whole. So it's like, this is my job and my role. And now that I know my job and my role, I can understand how it's serving this higher function, higher purpose. And so in the case of this tree and the vines, from the outside, it might look like it's really fruitful, that it's big and glorious, but then you actually realize it's surrounded by this vine. It's surrounded by something that's not even what it is, and it's embedded in its whole body. And what looks like this big, beautiful tree is actually basically poison woven through its branches. And so for the tree to heal, it's not the point to keep growing taller, faster, but to let go what isn't serving, to drop that vine, to drop that poison. 
The same is true for our own healing. The goal isn't to get bigger, faster, taller, faster, biggest, strongest, (laughs) highest, but to let go of what isn't serving, to drop the illusion. And the same is true for our business. Not necessarily to be the most productive, the fastest, but to have a sustainable system that lasts a long time, that works as part of the ecosystem that has a function and a role and isn't just extracting. Yeah, so the point is not to reach our highest state, but to let go of who we no longer are. And my biggest passion at this point is making sure this tree is protected and lives because I know it has medicine for me. As have all of the tree teachers in all of the places I've lived. And I know it has medicine for many people that will be coming to this magic land. And just as I am tending to the tree and cutting the vines and letting them fall away, the tree is tending to mine, pointing them out in me so I can see them, letting myself see what I thought I was but no longer am, and teaching me how to let it go. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. This question is from one of our private Facebook group, Leading with Spirits, member questions. Nope, start that one over. This question is from one of our Facebook group members. And the question is, is shamanic healing a lifelong learning process? And of course the answer is yes. Um, throughout your lifetime, you'll, be, you'll continue to um, go through different layers of development and different layers of teaching. And of course, throughout your lifetime, you'll also be entering different cycles throughout your lifetime. So while in this work, there isn't actually an end goal, there isn't a point that you reach where it is complete. Um, so of course, throughout your life, you're going to continue to learn and grow and even beyond this life, right? Um, so with that in mind, sometimes that can be um, stressful for a lot of us who are used to having a goal to reach so we can feel like we've made it. Um, and actually it's having that goal in place, that end result that actually creates the stress. It creates this barrier that has us need to reach some goal to achieve and feel like we've either made it or we failed. So in actuality, having this understanding that we will always be learning and growing allows us to take the stress off of having to reach a certain point at a certain time. And and that way we can actually just deepen into the learnings that life is giving us. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, holtonhealingarts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts. hope you enjoyed this episode of leading with spirit if you did please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway tagging me at holton healing arts 
It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.